Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, it's 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf Online. SunburyMotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors Guarantee. Terrific service department that backs it all up every step of the way. It's Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Gail, do we have Neil yet, or are we waiting on Neil? Uh, yeah, just call them. Okay, all set? All right. Should be. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Tuesdays with Neil. Sir, welcome. I made it. I'm here. I knew you would. If I'm not, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy thing about running errands and um, just missed the call. But uh, we're good. I'm all set here. Well, first of all, you are as dependable as a Swiss Swiss watch. I mean, really, you are our Rolex. <laughs> Never been called a Rolex before. I can hear my dad laughing about that now. That that's uh, <laughs> that's not the impression he would have given you. I promise you. <laughs> I come from a Prop different perspective. Is something I had to learn. Okay. Okay. I come from a different perspective. <laughs> How about that? I will make sure the family heard that. They will appreciate yes. it. Very much so. I will appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the bizarre continues to happen. <laughs> I, look, I mean, I expected them to win, but... It, it, they keep winning. I'll say they also scored on their first uh, uh, on their first drive against second straight week, and it was an impressive drive. Um, Might have been their best drive of the season overall. That that one against the Rams was was pretty good, but the the depth and the versatility uh, that they're adding now, um, I think that above anything else is really the eye popping thing. Um, obviously, this is not an offense that you can expect to score, you know, four touchdowns a game or anything like that. But uh, they're capable of eating some possession, uh, running some stuff that a defense is not going to be fully prepared for. And I got to say, a a large chunk of it seems to me like that the insertion of Roderick Jones at at right tackle, the athleticism that he brings um, is opening up both their zone and their gap schemes and the 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 way that they're using that is a, it, it's a different wrinkle every week. We're seeing different things when he's in there. Um, I'm not sure if that means you can pin it on either Dan Moore, who we replaced once, or uh, uh, Chuksa Korafor, who he's replacing now. But Jones being in there, you're seeing a, a high-level athlete playing pretty well in, in the run game. And that is opening everybody else up. You know, he's, it seems like he's kind of the catalyst. I know how weird that is to say about an offensive lineman, but 
he's doing stuff that, that Trent Williams is doing, you mm-hmm. know, in, in San Francisco, and it, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. And you're seeing uh, a, a versatile Steelers running game um, kind of rising like a phoenix out of the ashes here. <laughs> they're they're capable of running the ball. We haven't really said that uh, ever this season, and it took them half the year to get kind of good uh, last year, and they they ended the year very effectively. Um, you're, you're, you're seeing that in Pittsburgh now. Like they have an offensive identity, and with that, uh, they're capable of, of winning games. I mean, they're probably a little bit better than Green Bay. I don't know by how much better, mm-hmm. um, kind of like what you alluded to. I don't know how, you know, I, I, they should have won this game. This is one that, that they really uh, needed to win and should have won and, and did. Probably got a little bit closer than you would have wanted it to be, but um, – the return of Minka Fitzpatrick, which is imminent, that'll happen eventually, I, I think is going to fix a lot of things within their secondary. And I don't know how many teams they're going to beat, but I know that they're going to be a very tough team to beat when they have everything going. And I, I know how cliche that sounds, but they make people beat themselves, you know, and that's really what right. they did to Green Bay. And it seems like that that's going to be their strategy from here on out. Uh Pat Fryermuth, doors open for him being back. What can he add? Uh, it, it, he might even be a bigger return than Minka in the sense that you're going to have a, a solid short field receiver who has blocking ability as well. Right now, whatever trio of, of tight ends they're putting out there, none of them can catch, and none of them are particularly good run blockers. To, to this point. Frymouth is going to be better than, than all of them in all of that. But the experience that you're getting with Washington, uh, with Hayward, with Williams when he's in, in there, um, you're, you're going to have a nice you know assortment of tight end packages that you can run uh, within this you know increasingly versatile ground game. And Frymouth can catch the ball. You know, this is, right. you know, Pickett completed 14 passes last week. This is like 1983 football. Um, a, a, a solid seam target can open up, you know, that, that uh, infamous 13 to 18 yard range uh, as far as the passing game goes. It's going to expand their RPO game, which is almost non existent at this point. There's a lot of things Fryermuth is going to bring uh, upon his return. And I would argue that they have not had him pretty much all season. He's been out there, he's been dressed, he's caught a ball or two, but they haven't had the, the, the peak Pat Frymouth, the guy that you expected to get 100 targets this season uh, for the Steelers. When you have that in there, it's a better receiving option, I think overall, certainly in the short space, uh, than what they've been able to, to manufacture. And when you get that RPO game going, uh, those pop passes over the middle, the seam stuff down the middle, that opens stuff up on the outside, and I think the offense is going to be able to push back on a defense a little bit more than just playing the, the kind of swinging gate thing that they've been doing, particularly in the passing game. Okay. Uh, Johnson being back in the lineup, what has that meant? Uh, you, know, I, you and I talked about this last week because he's actually a better, as inconsistent as I personally think he is, he's still a better player at this stage than Pickens. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I expected more, I guess, from Johnson. And to be fair, you kind of have to grade both Johnson and Pickens on a bit of a curve because the passing game is just a mess. I mean, we're we're not seeing – every game, 
and Pickett is missing open targets consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's he's he's completing fourteen. He's missing on nine, and of those nine incompletions, I, I honestly feel like four or five of them a game are are just simply bad throws, passes that should have been completed. Uh, Johnson's going to feel the effects of that. Certainly, statistically, uh, his impact on the game is not at present at all. He had, he had one catch. You know, it, it, that's that's not, in my opinion, it's not because Johnson can't get open. <laughs> Uh, he's able to get open. They're not scheming their receivers open enough. Um, I, I don't. That that's the major criticism that I would have of the offense. They they don't work. Uh, to, they don't do enough to get the receivers um, running in concert with one another, uh, running combo routes, things of that nature. To you know, let your receivers try to make a play. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just kind of throwing them in one place take it or leave it you know they're not doing anything with them to, to try to open them up and your quarterback is not throwing the ball accurately enough for yards after the catch and we've talked about this the last three years the ball isn't going in a place where the receiver can catch it and turn and run um it, it's they're not open enough which you might put on them but some of that is a late delivery from a, a, a mid uh, arm strength quarterback um, they're not being put in position to succeed as much. I, I think because of that, Johnson is not the impact player that I, I thought he would be. Um, we'll see, though. I, I think there are some, you know, probably some miscommunication, um, some inability against Green Bay that we didn't quite anticipate. We'll see what happens against a, you know, a vastly better defense uh, in Cleveland. Not that Green Bay has a bad defense, but it, Cleveland's is really good. Um, they're going to have to get Johnson the ball uh, if they want to be consistent um, in, in running it the way that you have to assume that they're going to. There's going to be plays that Pickett is going to have to deliver a, a, a good pass to Johnson who's going to have to get open. They're going to have to make plays uh, after the catch as well. Um, I, there's a lot riding on Johnson going into this game, but as far as a comparison to him and Pickens, it's not even close. I mean, Johnson is a pro. Um, he's got what 400 some odd targets more than Pickens does in his career and that gap is probably going to continue to expand because Pickens he's not nuanced enough yet um, as a route runner he's not all that hard to to cover Uh, it's great that he can make the the highlight reel catches and everything but the one thing you'll notice is he's almost always covered whenever they get him the ball um, there's a reason for that. He's not getting himself open, but he's also young. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect him to be better than Deontay Johnson right now. There's there's more work that he needs to do, and I, I would expect him to, to continue to do it. Um, you know, hopefully the, the sulkiness part of his game goes away after a bit, and I get that you're frustrated if that's, you know, all the, that you're getting the ball, but um, they'll, they'll call his number. He'll be in a position to make a play, and you hope that uh, he's, he's able to make it when they do. All right. It, so yeah, let me talk about the Pickens part for a moment. I think there's an assumption that certain guys can just get out there in a straight line, blow by somebody. You can't do that in the NFL. You have to be able to make no. a move, whether it's a double, something subtle, just to give yourself that additional step, and then with a burst you can get past somebody. It seems like as a young receiver he doesn't quite have that yet. I, I'd go a step farther and say – he needs to do it, but not even necessarily on the play in question. He needs to show that he can run a slant before a cornerback is going to be worried about a move to the inside. Uh, That's where the route running part takes more of an effect. 
Johnson, when you see Johnson get open, Johnson's like three yards open on a lot of fly routes. And right. it's not because Johnson has world-class speed. It's not mm-hmm. because he's insanely quick. It's because they are so afraid of him, his footwork, him cutting back, him running digs, his, him running unders, things like that. And he, he can put a subtle move, and they assume that he's going there and he's going to get himself open over the top. Pickens doesn't really run much right now. Everyone's going to yell at the offensive coordinator. It's it's not that simple. You, you can't call stuff that you know doesn't work. You know, just he's not a video game character. It's not all one right. this, one in the same. He's got to be able to do it. And if they're not calling him to do it, it's because he's not showing that he can do it. Um, what I, I'd make this comparison. I think we've said this in the past. One thing that uh, got us really excited about Martavis Bryant back in 2015 was the fact that they were calling slants for him hitches he was running professional level routes mm-hmm. that made him even more dangerous over the top because now it's like this is not a one-trick pony guy anymore mm-hmm. now he can catch you in, in a, a skinny post after five yards you have to be aware of that as a cornerback that makes it a lot harder to keep that cushion uh, stay on top of him and be in position if he breaks that slows the cornerback down just enough that you can get outside him and, and go. Pickens doesn't have that yet. Or at the very least, uh, we know that he's not running those routes particularly often. But uh, I, I will say they're, they're struggling quite a bit uh, to get the ball down the field. Uh, it, it doesn't look to me in, in all 22 angles, it doesn't look to me like Pickens is really running all that stuff in, in a way that makes me think they're trying to set something up. Um, that's more of the, the evolution of his game that, that needs to take place, and maybe that's. I mean, there's still a lot of season left. We'll we'll see, you know, how it goes. But he's far from a finished product. We know that he's a great athlete, um, explosive player, uh, a, you know, long strider, big play type of guy. He's got to develop that smaller game in order to bring everything out. Uh, you had a, a weekend where there were what six essential walk-off games. And some of them involved teams that you didn't think were going to lose and did. Uh, how tight is this league right now at this point? I mean, I know there's always going to be a couple of exceptional teams, but how tight in reality is the league now? You know, I, I just had a conversation with somebody in the league casually um, yesterday morning about this. And this, this is, you know, obviously pre-Bills Broncos. The sense in the NFL is not that uh, there are, you know, no good teams. It's that the bottom level is kind of the same. The mid-level is expanded. Those yeah. mid- middle group teams right. are a lot better than they have been in the past. And because of that, nobody's really pulling away. I mean, I, I, I think Philadelphia is the, the top record, right? Eight and one. Yes. You don't watch Philadelphia and think that this is a world-beating team. You know, they're no. not destroying right. everybody they play. That's right. uh, they're, they're a very good football team. Um, it's they're competing. You know, it, it's it's hard to beat Philadelphia. Philadelphia's not walking over anybody either. Um, that's your top level. But at this point, you really don't know where it's going to go. But you have uh, pretty, you know, I, I think it's fair to say, kind of disappointing starts from Cincinnati, from Buffalo. Uh, these are teams that are on national TV often enough that you're noticing that they're not winning these games. Um, the lack of Rodgers is, you know, the worst thing that's happened to primetime football, I think, ever. Oh. <laughs> Jets are constantly on. Um, oh. Therefore, they're always a talking point. Brutal. And, you know, good good for them and for, for being what they are, but they're not going to be a great team uh, with the quarterback that they have. You know, I think there's maybe a, they're maybe a step below where the Steelers are. 
Um, the Steelers are a good summation of that mid-level, though. This is a, a this is a difficult team to beat. They might not beat you, but they can make you beat yourself if if you allow them to drag you allow them to drag you down to their level to play the game in the muck to to throw style points out the window when when you have to to swing with them they're going to beat you and we've seen it several times already this season um on the whole overall are are they a good football team it really doesn't look like it but they just make you play their way and it, it gets frustrating i think there are a lot of teams that are like that and the good teams have not yet overcome that. We're not even sure who it is. I'm not even sure who the, who the best team is from what That's I've right. seen to this point. You yeah. know, certainly Philadelphia is is a quality team. Um, I don't know if they're better than Kansas City. I don't know if they're they're better than Detroit. You know, that's a team that's, that's also very hard to beat. Um, they can beat themselves, but it, it's just tougher for an opponent to to really knuckle down and and take them out over four quarters. And it, it's it creates, I think, two you know, kind of conflicting narratives is one, it's a boring league. Nobody is good. It's not all that great. These are the, the preconception going into a game. Um, it's a great game. If we think the two teams are really good and it comes down to the wire, it's still a mid game. If it, it's two below average teams that go down to the wire, I think it depends on which side of the fence you're on. Um, I, I personally find NFL football to be, you know, to some degree good football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watch the Jets play often enough, so you'll, you'll be able to challenge what I just said pretty easily, and I get that. But yeah. uh, top to bottom, I think Denver played pretty well last night. It wasn't I, Buffalo's I best game, but Denver played pretty well. You got yep. to tip your cap to them and say, you know, just because they're not particularly good doesn't mean they're incapable of, of playing. Uh, well, here and there on a on a seventeen game season, you know this isn't college. You, you, when you get Penn State versus directional state, Penn State's going to beat them by thirty most mm-hmm. of the time, and the other times they're going to win by fifteen. You know it's, it's not like that in the NFL. They're they're much more balanced. Um, the mid level is a lot closer to the top than people think that they are. You know, it's a couple plays every game. Um, make a difference, and some teams make those plays, and some teams don't. But I, I just think it, it's it's the rise and the proliferation of of the middle class of the NFL right now. They're stealing wins from the the what we think to be the upper class, uh, probably a bit more often than they have in the past. Without Aaron Rodgers, I feel like the Jets. This is a waste of a terrific defense. I just feel like it's a waste of a terrific defense based on how they play offense. Robert Sala is such a great coach. He's got them going yes. all yeah. the time, regardless of. I mean, it, it's it's never good to lose your starting quarterback, but in a way, it, it you'd rather have it happen, you know, like in in mini camp, than you would mm-hmm. four right. plays into the season, right? Especially on the national stage in such an emotionally fired up game. At home, prime time, everybody is watching this game. It just oh, it was a gut mm-hmm. punch. You could see it in Salah's face. He's not going to tell you that, but that had to be just rough to get through the rest of that game. And they and they came back and, and won. That was a great football game. Um, they're playing high level defensive football. I, you know, go back to the last question too. I might even argue that you know maybe we're seeing better defensive football being played. You know, Jim Schwartz has done a phenomenal job in Cleveland 
Um, he probably caught one in the gym from, from Baltimore this past week, but we've seen them play at high level, high level for two, three quarters every game, it seems like. And the Jets are the same way. You know, how do they get four wins out of completely substandard quarterback play? How are they doing that? That's how effective defensive football seems to be this season. And, you know, those are definitely two of the top defenses. They might not even be the best defense, either one of them. Uh, a lot of teams are, are playing really good defense, and you're seeing great individual seasons from a lot of players as well. So um, it, I would imagine, you know, you can't fire Salah after this after this season. And, you know, every day it's Aaron Rodgers throwing more rhetoric out there about how he's going to play. I, I don't know whether he'll play or not, but if they had Aaron Rodgers performing, even at the level that he was last season, which I didn't feel was particularly good, right. you're going to have a real tough time beating them. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like if they get into the playoffs with Rodgers, watch out. That's, that's not a team you want to play. No. Always a pleasure, even if it is I'm here, I just walked in. <laughs> As always, the pleasure is mine. I hope you guys have a good day. Neil Kulong. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, it's 11 and 15 Elms Wharf online. Sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a terrific service department that makes sure that you're back on the road as quickly as possible. Whether it is routine or difficult, they can handle it. All at uh, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15. Elvis Wharf online, sunburymotors.com. Phone lines are open. More than happy to hear from you. Questions, comments, thoughts. Well, again, not here to argue and fight with people. No, 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 no. I want to hear what you have to say. Maybe I can lend a perspective. That's always important. Can I lend a perspective, you know, a pro or con that maybe you hadn't thought of or you may not agree with? Okay, but that's what we do here. And it's important to listen to you as to what you think. So give us a call if you have any questions or comments. Appreciate that. All right, so let's, let's take big picture here for a moment. and where Penn State is and give you a perspective. Now, are they past Michigan or Ohio State? As of right now, no. It's obvious. You played head-to-head, did not win either game. Were the games closer? Yes. They were closer. They're both single-digit losses. Going into the season, I said that this was probably the deepest team James Franklin's had, maybe the deepest team Penn State's had since 2008. I haven't changed my mind on that at all. I think that's absolutely true. When they've had guys bumped up and so forth, they've had guys that have 
quality come in and play for them. But everybody knows in this conference that if you're in the West, the top three teams in the West will all win the West. I mean, the Western Division leading team is Iowa. Penn State beat them 31 to nothing. Okay? Iowa did not play Michigan or Ohio State, but they played Penn State, and Penn State won 31 to nothing in a game that wasn't close. But Penn State is in the East, which means they've had to climb the Michigan and Ohio State hurdle. And we all know what the record has been. But next year, the landscape changes. It changes in many ways. So, when you look at, let's do some quick research on people. If you want to be one of those that wants to see a change at the top, you're obviously entitled to your opinion, and that's, again, that's your opinion. But it does come with a warning. Uh, And here's the warning. You have been seeing certain schools always in search of that guy. Now let's get the exception to the rule out of the way. The exception to the rule at the moment is Georgia. Mark Richt did a really, really good job there for years and years. And he did get them to a point, and the feeling was in Athens, he could not get them over the top. So they bring in Kirby Smart. And Kirby Smart took a little bit. But he was able to finally get past the Alabama hurdle. And that was important for him to do. When you look at what he did, right? You're talking about a team that was consistently winning 11, 12 games a year, right in that neighborhood. Okay? So he goes eight and five, then thirteen and two. Can't get past uh, the championship game with Alabama. Eleven and three, twelve and two. Then the COVID year eight and two. Okay. Then finally he clears the Alabama hurdle. Now he didn't beat them in the championship game, uh, in the uh, SEC championship game. But he beat him in the title game in Indianapolis, fourteen and one. Blew by everybody last year, fifteen and zero. This year he's ten and zero, rolling. But the same story. It still took him one, two, three, four, five seasons, four of which were really good, before he finally cleared that hurdle. So he's the to me that's the exception here. Everybody else has been, quote, in search of. So let's take what in search of means. 
Texas. Every time you look at Texas, they're changing up. And because they are changing up, you feel like there's no continuity with what's going on. Steve Sarkeesian is the latest to go in there. Miami. Natural recruiting area, tremendous, yet they've been searching, searching, searching. Manny Diaz is here. Mario Cristobal isn't doing as well as Manny did down there. USC. Constantly searching. And even now you're not sure. In Lincoln Riley, the I mean the defense for USC is just it's not good. They've been and USC's changed over coaches searching. Right? Notre Dame over you know, you go back the last thirty years on Notre Dame. How many different coaches have they had searching? I think they felt like maybe with, with Kelly they had the right guy, but even he got, you know, after a while he's like, I'm getting out of here, and he did. Okay. Clemson settled on Dabo after Tommy Bowden was out. Dabo Sweeney was a midseason elevation from wide receiver coach. Okay. And we all know it took him a while. And that's where the word Clemsoning came up. Good seasons can get to a point, can't quite get over. But they stuck with them. And they they cleared the hurdles. Okay. Um let's see. Who else can we throw out there that you're looking at and like okay, Florida State. Florida State since Bobby Bowden, yeah, they had Jimbo, but then Jimbo, like, the, the program was in exponentially worse shape when Jimbo left than when he took over. And after that, they've been searching. And this year, they've, they've looks like they may have hit the jackpot. Right? Now, we're going to find out there's a little bit of sustainability there, but it looks like they've hit the jackpot. I mean, essentially, they've got a big win over LSU. They were able to win at Clemson and then we'll see how the rest plays out. But searching. Everybody's been searching. You can't keep searching. Because now you've got a coach here with the first two years. I know everybody wants to lump in whatever. Like, you know, 14 and 15, as Bill O'Brien told me repeatedly, Steve, he says, those are going to be the toughest two years. Well, James is the one that ended up having to coach those. He brought the program back. You may not be happy at all with what you saw on Saturday. There is not a single person in this town that is happy with what happened Saturday, starting with the people inside the Lash Building. Okay? You're not happy. They're not happy. Nobody's happy. People are frustrated. But he brought the program back. Let's face it, in 12, 13, 14, and 15, did you ever envision winning 11 games again in the season? And they've done it four times. So he has got the program to this point. It's a point where for about four years, Kirby Smart was trying to, you know, was doing great, but looking to get over that hump. It was that point 
where Dabo Sweeney was working and was trying to get over the hump and get to that point. Right? Texas hasn't been at that point because they're circling. Always looking for that guy. USC's been looking for that guy. Okay? For a long time, Notre Dame was doing that. You know, Then Brian Kelly did stabilize it, but they were looking for that guy. Miami's been looking for that guy. Florida State, you know, over the last few years, has been looking for that guy. Like, who's the guy? Who? And that's what you need to, you know, to remember about this. They're recruiting at a high level. The playoff expands to 12 next year, which is important. The Big Ten expands next year to 18. And Penn State's going to see on the schedule next year, UCLA, Washington, and Ohio State here and go out to the coast to play USC. So it's going to be a different schedule. But it also brings with it different opportunities. There's no divisions next year. It's number one, number two. But just because you finish third or even fourth, it doesn't mean the door isn't open and going to the playoff. So as angry as people are, and I completely get it, you're passionate fans. So it makes you great. You're passionate. I don't want you to be apathetic. You're passionate. Greatest fans in the world. And guess what? You're angry. Totally understand it. You're frustrated. Totally understand that. Everybody's frustrated. Especially when you're when you feel like you've closed a gap, and you still can't get over that last part. Okay? Well, I got that part. Believe me, I've got it. The same time, I also know how the neighborhood they're playing in right now. And the, t- and the neighborhood that they're in nationally right now. And I don't want Penn State to be the program that is searching. Because I've got enough evidence out there across the country of big-name programs searching. And they aren't there yet because they're still searching. And I can go chapter and row on all of them. Okay? On all of them. And the one thing you don't know yet, like let's take let's take two younger two younger coaches that are doing very well right now. All credit credit is due. It's two of the newbies coming into the Big Ten. 
Washington, Oregon. Oregon was searching. Finally get Dan Lanning. Second year, he's done a really, really good job. But I need to see what Dan Lanning is like in year five. You know, when everything's his. Kalen DeBoer, former offensive coordinator at Indiana. Went to Fresno State, did a good job, got hired up at Washington. When everything was, you know, the last few years have been the same story. After Chris Peterson, they were searching. He goes in there. He's done a terrific job. But what is Washington football in year five under Kalen DeBoer? Is it still at that high level? Is it still at the high level with Dan Lanning at Oregon? Right? I just need to see a bigger body of work to discuss that. I see where James Franklin has come from with this program, where he is now. I almost feel like COVID had to be a second rebuild. And it's frustrating as heck because I really, and I'll be the first to tell you, I really thought that they were going to get these teams. That's me. Really thought they would this year. Now, but when when I went around speaking, I didn't say that this year. I didn't. I did not say that this year in talking with with fans. I just said it was the deepest team, his most talented team. Where it goes from there, I didn't say where it was going to go from there. You know, I got asked about Michigan and Ohio State, and they just told everybody what they had. It may have been single-digit games, but give them credit for winning the games. Winning's hard. Winning's hard. Okay? Are they over the hump? No. Have they closed the gap? Yeah, they're right. They're right there, but you've got to find those plays, those three to four plays in a game that swing it in your direction instead of swinging it the other guy's direction. Curtis Jacobs' play at Ohio State may have been one of those plays. The fumble by Drew in the Michigan game, probably one of those plays. I know it sounds simplistic, but Sometimes it is that simplistic. And it's frustrating when you're the one that doesn't find those two to four plays to go in your direction. And it's frustrating when the other guy does find those. Uh, Let's see. Penn State women's soccer. By the way, just a couple quick notes. Penn State women's soccer uh, will take on seventh-seeded Santa Clara, Jeffrey Field, Friday night at 6. Next round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, the opening matchup will be Georgetown against St. Louis at three. Then the two winners play Sunday at Jeffrey. Okay, so that's women's soccer. Women's volleyball beat second-ranked Wisconsin in Rec Hall Saturday. Phenomenal win. They had that five-setter with Nebraska, couldn't quite put it away, then beat Wisconsin. Wow. And finally, uh, the Lady Line basketball team, Kansas was in the Jordan Center last night. And guess what? Lady Lines, third straight game, they cracked 90, but this time they cracked 90 against Kansas, won 91-85. That was a terrific win for Carolyn Keeger's team.
Men's basketball tonight, St. Francis Jordan Center. That will be at 7. All right, wrapping up in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. I mean, just, so just some general thoughts. I mean, frustrating completely that they're not over the, the those two critical hurdles. But I'm also not one that, that wants to throttle back. I, you, know, I, you know, you guys know that, you know, that I'm big on what I think James can accomplish here. And I know that you have will have disagreements with me because you're at this point not happy with how Saturday turned out I, and the Ohio State game as well. Totally, I understand where you're coming from. But I know how difficult it is to win. I know how far he's brought the program. I know how they've been recruiting and stacking classes. I just feel they're they're at that frustrating point where they're just, you feel like they're just about there. They just need to grab and bag one of those big ones. And I strongly believe that he is the guy to do it. And I know there are a lot of people today that listen to me saying that. And I know you're frustrated with how those two games have gone, and I totally get it. But it hasn't changed my mind on the on the quality of the guy running it. But everybody's frustrated. Everybody. Today's show's been brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.